If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show. Brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you, as always. And uh, if you're listening in town, which is an awful lot of you driving around, appreciate that. Be safe today, man. Crazy rain all day. Yeah, that's how old people start shows. There you go. I did it just for you guys. Um, yeah, man, it's um, good thing we got the golf in yesterday, Tom. Tom is here. I am here. We are pre-recording today's show. There you go. That's the uh, due diligence that I have to have. Uh, recorded this morning, not this afternoon. Not a lot's changing, guys. Not a lot's changing, and there's reason for it. That said, let's move on. No Platinum Bohica. Uh, yeah, you know, I often say... <laughs> see Tom shaking the head. I often say, and I think this is true, and I think it's true last night, uh, when you have hopes for an outcome uh, or a result in a game, to me it's just a lot easier if that result doesn't happen in overwhelming fashion. Like if it's not a buzzer beater in the case of basketball or a Hail Mary in football or some last-second field goal, you you can live with that. I hate the ones that are on the razor's edge, the one that, you know, a play here or a play there you're discussing for – Weeks on end. Well, if we had just, I think about the Wake Forest game, even though I don't look at that game necessarily the same way a lot of people uh, do, the, the reality is if we make that pick, Forest State may win that game, you know, and, and you can look at a play like that and say, oh, man, you got to catch the ball. That, that really hurts. 
this was Miami deciding there will be no Platinum Bahika. And not only will there be no Platinum Bahika, uh, we are going to run you out of the gym. And it's disconcerting, Tom. I don't want to extrapolate too much from a singular result, but there is something archaic with the way that Florida State attempts to play defense. And it, it has plagued them for a long time now. When you have better players, sometimes you can get away with it. But there's just no way that every team we play should have wide open looks from three all the time. All the time. And they all do. And last night's team decided they were going to knock them all down. Now, that's a credit to, in particular, one kid getting really hot. But Miami made a lot of threes as a team. That's what they do. And, and, they, and it's exactly what they do. And you know it coming into the game. And so it's, it's not unlike uh, one of the Virginia games where you know Virginia can shoot threes. They, they, the talking points nationally and otherwise come into the game, listen, you can't leave Virginia open from threes. They like that shot. They'll take that shot. They're coached to take that shot. Like they run their offense for it. Like they play to it. Sometimes it's the result of a long rebound. Sometimes it's the result of great ball movement and a reversal, and somebody gets a good look. Okay, man, it's basketball. The other team's on scholarship too. I get it. But the bottom line is when teams play to shoot the three, it's like a primary goal of their offense. To me, it's a sin to watch a game in which that's not covered at all because you know the scout tells you you can't do that. And last night, obviously – I mean, this game was over as it started. I mean, it basically, at, I don't know, it was 14 to four, I think it was 16 to four, something like that. I mean, you had little hope that, that game was going to be good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly by the time it gets towards halftime, and Miami shoots, I think, 60 plus percent from the field for the first half. Uh, not much worse in the second. Um, you know, there was a greater emphasis as we switched from the junkyard dog days to the second iteration of success with this basketball program of modernizing the offensive approach and and prioritizing more efficient shots and and you could see that even though the offense had its ups and its downs there was a greater emphasis on efficiency uh, we had a better caliber of player to go along with that that always helps but you could see that there was a modernizing of the approach versus say 2011 12 and 13 those those particular seasons and it, I think it's fair to say, is it time to modernize on defense? Because when you don't have 10 awesome players or, you know, seven really good guys and three rotational pieces that you can trust for stretches of time. And you're also missing some key components of one through five, because as much as we like to say basketball is positionless, well, that's not true. If you can't switch one through five, that you, you've got to find a way to work around uh, the philosophy when you, when you don't have the personnel that you're used to having, and there's a lot of easy baskets. I mean, that that's just that's part of it. Uh, I said, I think it was on Monday, that if this season's going to get squirrely in the good way, you're going to have to win both of these games this week against ranked Miami and then Clemson coming to town on Saturday. Within five minutes of basketball last night, you could realize that this is not going in that direction. Miami's really good this year. That's independently true. They got hot, played above their heads, even though they're offensively gifted. But still. This is a this is a bit of a mess. I still think, uh, for all the hand wringing that annually occurs on the message boards, I still think you get a couple of pieces back next year. You could have a good run at the tournament 
next year. But this is going to be a lost cause of a season, and I think last night was the stamp on that. Yeah, well, that was the end of it, right? Um, to me, that was probably the end of it. But I, I, you know, this is more of an existential crisis for the program. I, I, this is what we're getting into now as opposed to individual results. Because I don't know that it's going to get turned around. I'm really hoping it does. And it's we're having honest dialogue. It pains me, pains me to second guess Leonard Hamilton, who has proven himself to be able to come and rise from the ashes on numerous occasions when people, myself included, thought, mm, this is not going to be get, this is not going to get turned around. You just alluded to that other metamorphosis where we switched and changed into how we played during a stretch of incredible basketball, but getting there was very difficult. And, you know, it, we went from having a real identity to being identity lists and wondering, you know, what was going to happen. Well, what was going to happen was Florida state was going to put together a team that had the pandemic not happen, had a chance to win the national championship. Yeah. Of course they put together a team that ended up being uh, one of the preeminent programs of the ACC. And that's an approach that's in a conference that has two really well-funded, well-supported, uh, and tradition-laden programs like North Carolina and Duke, amongst others. So Florida State didn't have to take a back seat to those teams. And I never will look at that accomplishment as anything other than a spectacular moment and a wonderful career for Leonard, Leonard Hamilton, because that is something I don't know that we'll see around here again. I don't yeah. take that for granted. That was insane. Florida State, as a university, has never put an emphasis on its basketball program. So to have done those things without those investments is truly remarkable. And so I don't say it, you know, willy-nilly when I talk about concern and issues with what we're doing strategically or problems I see perhaps within the makeup of the team. I don't take it lightly and say, well, you know, hey, listen, we just got to we got to move on. Well, I'm not so quick to say that about a guy who accomplished all those things. But what I don't like, Tom, about a game like last night, and again, not trying to overreact to a singular awful, awful, awful performance. And yes, I would have liked to have seen the Platinum Bohica happen. But hey, I mean, it's, you know, tongue in cheek to some extent. Nine straight wins is an amazing accomplishment over anybody. Uh, but they didn't rebound the basketball at all. Obviously, Leonard Hamilton saying, I've never seen a half where a team didn't get an offensive rebound. I don't know if I've ever been a part of that. <laughs> then he went on to mention that, you know, Miami came in as the much more focused, hungry team yeah well why yeah what, no what's what is that i agree uh we're coming down the stretch run here and and again as we like to say multiple things can be true if you had the pieces uh that you had put together for this season from the from the jump this would be a slightly above 500 team in my mind might yeah. be a, you know a game or two over 500 in the acc right now you'd have to be two at five and five um but I think that's where this group would be, and you'd be on the bubble and in the upper half of the ACC. So the sky, in one sense, is not falling. On the other hand, last year was a disgrace compared to the the standard that you had built uh, in Hamilton 2.0 existence. You, you had guys quit in multiple games, and you see lapses like that again with this group. And that sound, sounds like what Coach is alluding to last night is a lapse in focus or a lapse in effort which is unacceptable. So on, on that hand, uh, that's, that's a real problem and a, and a downward trending arrow for the program. We're in the stretch run for Coach Ham's career. It has been 
one of my favorites uh, across all the sports. And for me, it was the first sport I fell in love with when I got here on campus in 2006, which remarkably is closing in on 20 years ago. And he was the head coach at that point. It's just amazing how much time has gone by. I think they've got another decent to good season left in them at least next year, if not the one after that. But two things are competing here. The program is is downward trending, but this also is an absolute disaster when you, you talk about the circumstances of how they've arrived at the record they're at. And even with all that said, they're a 500 team in the ACC. So that there's just a whole lot to juggle there. I think the change will happen in you know a couple of years' time, but I don't think this is going to be something where Coach Ham hangs it up after this season. I, I think he wants to make it right. Well, I don't want him to hang it up after this season. I'm not calling for that. I don't want anybody to think that. I am calling this season what it is, which is a disaster. Um, quote, I am hopeful that tonight's beatdown will get us more ready and more determined and prepared mentally to play against Clemson, said Leonard Hamilton. I'm sure our guys, when they watch the film, are going to feel the same way I felt. So he's talking about a lack of effort. He's talking about a lot of fo- lack of focus, and it's against the Miami Hurricanes at home. Fresh off of probably your best performance of the season at Pitt, where you went up there and led that game. Obviously, you started out slow up there, but you were so locked in, so focused, so mentally tough that you went on an insane 22-6, to 32-14 run or whatever it was, 32-9. to nine. I mean, it was insane. They were able to do those things because they were tough and because they have some ability. And then when you squandered the lead in the second half, just like you did against Florida, yep. you didn't lie down. You rallied back on the road. That's a good pit team. Uh, it was the first win you had over a team with a winning record. So you were you showed something there. I don't understand how that's followed up with this. I, I don't. Now, that's not one of those. It's not rhetorical. I, I do not understand it. I, I don't, so... What happened in the locker room? What happened in preparation? What happened in the week or the days leading up to the game? I don't know the answer to that because I'm not in that locker room. And But obviously, Leonard doesn't like what happened because, you know, Leonard's very careful about what he says and how he says it. it more than one quote from last night's game suggests he was dismayed by the lack of focus and effort. Um, you know, he's acknowledging that that is embarrassing. He doesn't usually do that. He doesn't usually give in to the consensus of the fan base or the consensus of the criticism. He'll usually, because he's got his finger on the pulse. So a lot of times he'll, he'll know, well, you know, uh, in the back of his mind, they don't know that so-and-so didn't practice all week. They don't know that you know, so-and-so, one of our top defenders, has a lingering groin injury and really couldn't cover the point, and that left everything open for everybody else. You know, he's always kind of got an answer behind the scenes. I know one of the things I always liked about Leonard is if you go over there and you talk to him, even like during the season, if he, if he trusts you, he'll tell you, hey, listen, just so you know, one of the reasons we're struggling with this is so-and-so's hurt. You know, and then you're like, oh, okay. So I always give the benefit of the doubt because of that. But when I hear those quotes, I hear a man who's also looking at his players going, yeah, man, that ain't it. And I want to know why that is. Well, I mean, uh, it starts with leadership on the court, and they didn't exhibit it last season. And when you parse that quote from last night, combine it with some of the things you saw from last year, I don't think that they have the structure yeah. and the culture that they had, um, you know, entering COVID. That, that, that's just period. And does that fall on the head coach to a degree? Absolutely, it does. Um, 
I, I think circumstantially, though, this season is is worse off than it would have been. Perhaps there would have been those issues in the locker room anyway, but the record wouldn't be as stark for us to talk about uh, this in, in such a critical way. Uh, again, this is a group that last year I thought was soft at multiple points, and I think their head coach just called him that maybe a little bit last night. Uh, De Niro, a little bit? Just a little just, bit. A little bit. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I read Michael Alford's quote on warchant.com when Ira did the one-on-one with him that ran, I think a few weeks ago on the site, early January, when he said, we're having a hard knocks season, which is, yeah, that's, that's about right. It's a tough year, but the program is in good hands. And, and uh, director Alford didn't speak about it in a way that John Thrasher did roughly eight years ago when they extended Leonard Hamilton for one year. And the quote was essentially, if you parse through it in a PR sense, yeah, this is your last stand, coach. Yeah. We hope yeah. that you turn it around. We have faith in you, but this is it. I didn't get that sense from, from Michael Alford, so I don't think a change is coming. I just hope for better results next year. And if you've got to rid the program of some guys in order to maybe take a half step back in order to take a big step forward by the end of next season, then you got to do so. Got to do yeah, it. and again, it's funny because I do think that we're reacting to some degree the way it's very modern, it's very uh, internet age, it's very first takey. I don't mean you and I specifically. What I'm saying is that in the era of everything has to be figured out, summarized, neatly packaged, and presented every week, <laughs> regardless of there's another game, there's, it's a five year deal, whatever it might be. Like, this is how people's careers have to be summarized, their legacies have to be summarized, everything has to be answered for and accounted for and wrapped tightly in a debate. Um, I'm not going there with Leonard Hamilton, that is not my intent. I am pointing out that the program has taken a huge step back in the areas of responsibility that you're talking about. And that is what's most disconcerting because that is not who he is. That's not the way he's ever coached. That's not the locker room he has been able to produce, right? One of the reasons, I mean, we talk about culture all the time right now with football. Yep. Well, culture, the, the, the great culture setter of all time has been Leonard Hamilton with that program. I mean, that thing fed into itself. I mean, the players took ownership and passed it on to the next group. We would laud that on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. It's one of the things that we would sit back in awe of because he was always unwavering. The tenets of what he did and what he believed, it was, there was no margin. You are going to do this or this is the result. That's how this is going to work. And so when you see things that suggest that some of the, the fabric of that has been torn. You have to say it. It doesn't mean for the listeners, this is not me talking to you, for the listeners and the folks that are debating this, this is not either one of us or anybody that I think is reasonable at this point saying, well, they should fire him. No, 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 no. Uh, that's not going to happen. You don't, you don't fire a guy, not at this point, who has done what he's done as recent as two years ago. It's not like this is 10 years of, uh, you know, falling off a cliff. Uh, this isn't the lost decade. Th this is a bad couple of seasons. And now I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm not Pollyanna. My man is 74 years old. He ain't yeah. going to be here that much longer. Got it. But I tend to agree with you that there'll be a better team next year. I just think, as I said, two years ago, unfortunately, when you begin to lose assistance, especially key assistance to your program. Um, 
I feared that the ship had sailed for the kinds of seasons we had set up for the pandemic year. And I, I believe that is 100% still accurate. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I believe that's a true statement. I, we're not getting back there. No, I, but I, I think if you have another year that's disappointing, it doesn't have to be at this level. It speaks for itself if you have a, you know, yeah. barely a double-digit win season, you know, next year. Then, then it's over. That's it. And we're moving on. And, and it's a golden watch, and it's a handshake. It's not, you know, they're, they're, it wouldn't be a firing uh, press release. It would, day, be, yeah, yeah. it would be a celebration press conference and a ride off into the sunset. Um, but if it is a disappointing year again next year, I think, I think it's time. I think it's, it, and I think it's fair to say that it's time for the athletic department to take action and to move on. I'm not there yet. Uh, I've got one more year left in me personally. But here's the thing. We called it, we called it out last year when we saw it for the first time, which is, this is not the standard. This is not the effort level that we have come to know, yeah. respect, and cherish about this basketball program. We saw it initially. Perhaps it's continuing a little bit. And it speaks for itself. And it speaks for itself to a place where we don't want to speak about basketball as much as we usually do. And that sucks. It's awful. It's awful because you can only talk about junior day so often. But I will talk football in a moment. Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So Tom Lang and Iris Chaffel joined one another gleefully for the smash on Monday sure that you guys tuned in but for those that missed it at one point it was a conversation about the secondary and i've not told tom this yet but i thought i would share with the entirety of the offense that it made me smile 
it gave me pause to think it's not as bad as I thought it was. Now, that sounds rather desperate because the bottom line is Florida State's going to be a good football team next year, and we know that, and we're going to analyze it backwards and forwards because that's what you do when you're excited about your football program. There is no offseason, as people like to point out. Uh, and I just like a lot of primers for the spring football practice that we're going to cover also with Glee because there will be real competition. And I think that competition will be intense. I think there'll be information to be gleaned from our reports there, both video and written on warchant.com. And it's why you want to sign up for warchant.com right now. Hey, there you go. That's true. You do. But having said all of that, promotions aside, defensive back was an area that I kind of thought, well, I'll volunteer for the videos on the defensive line. I'll volunteer for the <laughs> I'll volunteer for the videos on the offensive line. Perhaps the receiving core. If we want to talk quarterback play or the running back room, I'm here for you guys. What time are we recording? I'll stand down and let somebody else debate the greatness of the secondary because that's the kind of team player I am. But when those two gentlemen talked about it, I thought that secondary doesn't suck. There's some pieces. It's not terrible. And if you figure that Cypress comes in, Tom, as you guys have talked about, he's proven himself as an elite corner. Now that gives you the freedom to move things around a little bit. And I would say to you off the air, if Azaria Thomas, and I believe this will happen because I think he's made this way, if he emerges as the other corner, okay, as the guy to start, body type-wise, athletically, he's the best we have. Now, I haven't seen Cypress yet, so we'll see, right? But anyhow, Azaria Thomas is that guy, right? Well, then that means you possibly could move Renardo Green to safety. He's played safety. and on the other side is Cypress at corner and you now have your real options at safety and they're pretty good. I mean, yeah. they're decent. Uh, we'll see. Could become real good. Um, Shaheen Brown's a player. I really like Akeem Dent has a lot of experience. Uh, and so, you know, you put Renardo green back there who will hit you. He's not afraid and has played the position. Okay. Now we're juggling around with some things and I haven't said anything of the rest of the depth that are all very, for the most part, all very experienced. So when we talk about how good Florida State's going to be, and we will talk about it a lot because expectations, I think, are going to be sky high, maybe even a bit too much. I mean, we we did a video this week. Um, should Florida State be considered a playoff pro, a team, uh, a, a team that should threaten the playoffs? I think the answer is undoubtedly yes, even if you don't believe they'll go. They, they got to be considered amongst a handful of teams to make the college football playoff. So it doesn't get much more um, in terms of anticipation. It doesn't get much more uh, hype around a program than that. Talk, calling them a playoff team means you have to be one of the four best teams in the country right. um, if you make the playoff or presumably certainly in the conversation. So, you know, I, that secondary is not cheeks. <laughs> it's not cheeks, Tom. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack with, with this group. Because you're right, Cypress coming in as a plug-and-play player, as uh, I almost lost power. Hope we're, we're still here. And then the guy that we don't talk about very much, that we all talked about before last season, was Amarian Cooper. 
So that's the interesting thing here is I'm not counting on Amari and Cooper to be an answer for you as a starter. What if he was to return to form from the back half of his first season on campus? If he, if he turns into that player, you've got an embarrassment of riches at corner all of a sudden out of nowhere. And the other thing I'd say about this whole conversation about defensive back is something you push for very, very hard. There is now a new person. Oh, I'm, I'm elated. There is now a new head or new position coach yes. providing insights and schemes yes. and experience. He had his own son ready to go to play from the high school level to the college level at Isle of freaking Bama. You have that particular mind working with a lot of this clay. There is actually a two deep now at defensive back. And I know we've fallen into that trap every year. And I lament it every damn year that defensive back is going to be better this year. And, and it was improved. Jamie Robinson's second half of the season was really good. Looked like the season prior. But without Jamie Robinson, that's a lot to account for. And without knowing exactly what Fentrell Cypress is, that's another giant question mark. I think he's a good player. Pro Football Focus says he's a good player. But we'll see how he fits into the scheme. Yeah, I think he's a good player. I think I think from what we've seen and what we know with uh, the footage and the, and the film and all that, he's a good player. How he works within the scheme is going to be interesting. But... You can work with a guy who's made as many plays as he has in big-time college football. I, uh, we cannot emphasize enough uh, what a huge uh, moment this was for Mike Norvell and staff to make this hire. You know, we've talked some about as you improve, you get access to better players. You also get access to better coaches. And I'm not the guy that comes on the air every day and says, fire this guy and fire that guy because there's a problem. But you guys know, halfway through the season, my hands were to the sky. I was done with our secondary coach. Um, and there were a lot of reasons for that. And I will tell you one of them, Tom, had to do with technique. And I know a little something about that position. Not, not, I never played corner, but when they switched me to safety, I had to learn a lot of things about angles and also how you create what you're after um, in terms of leverage. And I would watch a lot of undisciplined mistakes and things to do with technique. So when you see technique issues, that's coaching, man. That is all that is. And that's why I kind of threw my hands to the sky and went, all right, well, I see what we got going on here. We're just not going to fix this. We're just going to let this happen every week. That drove me nuts. And I think that will be cleaned up, buddy. I think that's going to be – I think the evidence – of who Patrick Sertan is, both as a player and as a coach, and what he's already done, as you correctly noted, with his own son. Now, a lot of that's ability. His son is an elite athlete, just like he was. But yeah. he still had to teach him, still had to show him, and, you know, showed him to the tune of a first-round pick. Yeah, well, you got to be more than an elite athlete to play at Alabama, you know, because they're, they could choose of the elite which ones they think are automatic fits and which ones are the most low-maintenance. So I, I like that part of it. But, I mean, you could just go through it very simply and say corners. All right. The corners on this roster. So Cypress is one of them. Azarie, Kevin Oles, Greedy Vance, Jarion Jones, Reynardo Green is a Swiss army knife, but what a stabilizing force he would be. If he's a starter, you're not pissed off. If he's one of your starting outside corners, because he was a solid player for you throughout the season, the most consistent guy you had. And then it's safety, Shaheem Brown, Akeem Dent, and we'll see if, again, Renardo Green figures into that rotation. And then maybe you go grab somebody in the portal to, to round out that quartet with more experience. 
but they could have a couple of younger guys emerge as well. It's just when you're looking for solutions, did I mention Amari Cooper again or did I forget him again? Maybe I did. <laughs> but maybe he's a guy that could move to safety. Hell, did you know that Travis J is only a, a redshirt junior? He's got two more years. It came up yesterday on Seminole Headlines, and the way the hopefulness in Ira's voice shocked me. And the reason it shocked me was I had had a previous conversation with him at a practice, and he was like, well, unfortunately, that looks like a lost cause. I think I know what it has to do with. First of all, there is all of this athleticism within Travis J that we've seen. I mean, he does have that. There were just other things missing. He couldn't make a play on the ball. His confidence was shot because of that one season where he was in position time and time again and did not make plays. But as I say that sentence out loud, he was in position time and time again. You think, oh, okay. So now Patrick Sertain comes in and he sees a Travis J. And he goes, whoa, what do we have here? Mm -hmm. This guy's an NFL athlete. Now, he hasn't proven himself to be even a good college football player, but he's an NFL athlete. Maybe I can maybe I can get something out of this guy. Well, and the quiet whispers that are growing louder, too, and now that practice is over for the season, uh, maybe Travis wasn't available to play this year. Maybe, Correct. maybe that was uh, an issue. So well, that, that, that also, also tells you, in. but Tom, that would also tell you that there is a want to and a stick to itiveness that I'm not sure I would have guessed was there based on certain elements of previous year's practices. So what I'm saying is that if that kid is the kind of committed, that if he weren't eligible, stuck yeah. it out, went to practice every day, practice hard, was never a problem, and did whatever else he had to do to remain on the program, on the team, well, that does speak to a dedication and a commitment that is above and beyond a lot of times what we see kids in the same situation. So, Hey man, I'm all I'm saying is he's got a lot of ability. I don't know if we get anything out of Travis J, but I'm glad you brought him up because he is still on the roster and he does have unbelievable athleticism and length. And you got a new coach at the position. And sometimes that's all it takes. They connect. Yeah. He sees something and boom. I just think it's funny that you got two more years of him if you need it. Um, it's just with this COVID eligibility, it's nuts. Uh, but, yeah, he's one of the more positive citizens in practice, too. And, and they don't have a lot of problem children at Norvell's practices, and we've documented that left and right. But Travis Jay is one of the more notable players. You're like, man, he's always got a smile on his face. Or he takes to coaching quite well, or he encourages teammates. He's one of those type players. If he emerges on the other side, everybody out there that's watching this or listening on the radio right now, you'll start to read those stories and hear that, you know, yeah. uh, that kind of commentary from his teammates. Uh, but I could tell you on the ground, just watching it as it's happening. If that story happens, that whole sideline will go nuts for a player like Travis J because he is, he is well liked among the group. The question is when you're shuffling out the two deep, can he climb up that high? He might be able to. He's got to find one position, lock in, and that's where we're going from here on out. But what when Sertan takes a look at this group of defensive backs, how he shuffles it is going to matter. Adam Fuller's got an idea, and, and his vote is going to be the one that counts the most. But Sertan might see that Renardo Green could serve the team better 
at safety. Or he might say, no, you don't want to move him from corner. Let's get a guy like Greedy Vance back at safety. Who knows? The shuffling is going to happen, but there are a lot of names and potential solutions this year, which is why, to me, and that discussion on the smash with Ira, the sky is not falling at defensive back, new pair of eyeballs, and a lot more able bodies to play the positions. Yeah, and by the way, just so everybody knows, um, once a program reaches the status of good and is no longer climbing towards being something that doesn't resemble ass and is now, I guess, saddled is not the right word necessarily. I mean, expect you can't be afraid of expectations. you got to embrace expectations. you got to be excited about people being excited about you. I mean, it means that you have obviously climbed. That's true in business. That's true in your, your, your work, whatever it is, right? If all of a sudden you get more responsibility, you can't be like, oh, no, no, you've earned that. You've done something great with that. So the, I'm not saying saddled with expectations, but the way that we cover the team and the way that we talk about the team will change too. Because I always have to remind people when I say, ah, guys, you know, just a guy, he's not very good. You know, you'll hear me say that. Well, he's, he's not very good. Um, I'm, it's in reference to championship standard. It's in reference to where we're trying to go. It's in reference to where I hold the program, which is way up here amongst the best in all the land. And we certainly haven't been that. It's been a long time since we've been that. But you can ratchet it up or down depending on what's realistic with the quality of player that you have. You can know, well, even though the standard may be here, we're still climbing to get to that. This is unrealistic to look at this squad and say that they should be compared to that. Well, guys, we've graduated. They've got good football players over there. They don't have guys that he's getting more out of than he should. They've got very good football players. I mean, as it turns out, Jordan Travis is an elite college quarterback. End of story. He is. If you have an elite college quarterback and you have a good offensive line and you have a loaded running back room and you have a deep receiving core with diversity of skill, and they do, and you're better defensively up front than you were a year ago, and they should be. Well, then expectations are for a 10-win program the season before that now has good football players and a better depth of them that you should making you should be making steps towards great. So when we go to practice and we watch spring and we watch fall, it's going to be against the old standard of we're back, baby. Let's talk about these guys as it pertains to do they meet the greatness standard? And not everybody will. There are holes in the lineup. They aren't Georgia. They're not Alabama. And they're not Ohio State. Very few programs are. But we're knocking on the door. We're knocking on the door. I'm going to be comparing them with how close they are to those programs. Yeah, and and you just go down the line and say one corner is is set, you would think, in Cyprus, right? Like that's he's going to have to be on the field. That's why he's here. So then you have four other players in the defensive back room that need to be on the field because of how base formations are in college. You're not going to run two corners and two safeties. So of Akeem Dent, Kevin Knowles, Jerrion Jones, Reynardo Green, Omarion Cooper, Travis J, AZ Thomas, and Greedy Vance, and Shaheen Brown. Can you find four answers there? Mm. When I put it to you that way, it sounds very doable. That sounds extremely possible. And yeah. that's where that's where the hope is this year. For me, you know, I've talked a lot about how in spring I look forward to 
always do, the trench battles and watching the offensive linemen, the new guys that are here on campus and some of the younger guys that are developing like a Julian Armella or a Charlton or an early go against this defensive front. Going to be a lot of fun, especially with Fisk and Daryl Jackson in the fold now. That's going to be a lot of fun. But seven on sevens and these skelly drills that they run where you go, you know, and individual one-on-ones with these receivers and defensive backs. Yeah, it'll be good. That's also going to be incredibly fascinating too. Like when we go to practice uh, two years ago, I didn't really care what anybody else was watching in their drills because there was, you know, there wasn't a whole, I I knew what, I knew the answer and it wasn't good. Now it's going to be, Jeff, what did you see with your drills? Corey, what did you see? Ira, what did you see? Yeah, that's true. I want to know. I got to know. Uh, it's, it's, it gets me giddy. Um, it has been a long time. I remember when I, and, and we got to go to break. I remember I was fortunate, uh, breaking into the industry 98. I mean, think about how good Florida state was and what they were about to be wire to wire in 99. So when I got to see practice and I would talk to players and I would, comp- I mean, we were talking to, the best, the best program in college football. Like that, you just walked over there knowing you were watching the best program in college football. It was just crazy. Yeah. And to think that we're getting to a place where we can start talking about how close are they to being? They're not there. They're not there, guys. They're not there. But it's just kind of fun to have the mm, how soon. Quick perspective, just because you said that. The first tour of duty before COVID, I remember thinking, you guys are small. They're going to have to play with a chip on their shoulder to have a fighting <laughs> chance. And then I remember thinking last year as we were going along through fall camp, because I was just, I kept on harping on it. They're better. They keep getting better. Do they matter? Like, and, and of course, everybody matters. But I, I meant in terms of college football, the hierarchy, do these guys even matter? And then we get to November and I'm thinking to myself, Damn right they matter. People around the country are wondering what's going on in this building for the first time in forever. They're actually curious. It's awesome. It's a good feeling. It's a lot of fun to cover, and there are a lot of Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So short segment here to round out the hour. And I just, I want to mention this because we know this is a radio show, the Jeff Cameron show. It's not always all things Florida state all the time. I'm not going to constantly produce caveats, by the way, I'm just going to say what I want to say, but for people that are kind of newer to the program in the last year and a half, we've been able to hyper-focus on Florida state solely for most of the time, because really it's been a lot of fun to document all of those things. But with the basketball program being what it is, and we already talked about that for 20 minutes to start the hour, and uh, our anticipation for baseball and these other things, they're all still in place. But 
we're a day away, Redemption Thursday tomorrow, for before I can really get into the football games tomorrow. Something did happen last night that, as a diehard sports fan, interests me. And it interests me because I have said, and you know this, Tom, for the duration of this show, that, uh, and, and certainly since we've been together, that as a diehard sports fan, if you are lucky enough to have watched a career begin and end, and it transcends that of other careers in the history of the game, and you're around for it, and it's documented, and it was during your lifetime, that's the kind of fun stuff that old men, granddads talk about with their grandkids. I remember uh, my granddad talking to me about the rise of Jack and Arnie. He was a big golf guy, and he got to see in totality golf put on television, Arnold become the king, Jack surpassing Arnold and becoming the greatest player ever. He got to go see him play in person at the Masters. He got to, and he would tell me these grandiose stories about how these guys could do magical things. And it was such an honor and a privilege. My father would talk about certain players growing up like Jim Brown. I think your dad talked about Jim Brown too. Like they got to watch the totality of Jim Brown's career. And I really wish I had seen Jim Brown play because when I watch him on, on video highlights, NFL films, he seems so smooth, like it's effortless. Like he was a man amongst boys. He was so much bigger and stronger and he would always fall forward and then he would get up slowly and walk back and you'd think he was hurt, but he never wanted to show you if you hurt him or not. He was tough that way. And he was the best running back in football until he wasn't. And Walter Payton came in and others who we did see. So you get my point. There are players like that, that our parents talked about. We have one in our midst. Go ahead, Tom. I was just going to say my dad's favorite thing to mention about Jim Brown, Jimmy Brown, as he calls him, was that he used his arms as weapons. Mm -hmm. as grand. He's like, I always loved I respected that he didn't just try to stiff arm. He would try to beat you. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yes. The tape like bears Henry. that out. The tape bears that out. That is true. And Derrick Henry throws people into the stands. I mean, it's hilarious to watch what happens when a big, strong man is running the football with mean intentions. I love it as well. But we've been, and I, I, I wonder if every generation does this, probably so to some extent. I mean, I, my dad would have done it with Bill Russell and others in basketball. Um, you know, when you see a guy win, uh, m more than, uh, more rings than you could put on your hand, uh, <laughs> then you're going to talk about it, but we got to see, or I got to see his college and then pro career. I'm talking about Michael Jordan. I got to see, and so did you in totality, Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. I mean, that it's not lost on me. Well, I want to add another to the mix and he's one of many that goes down as an all-time great player. I got to see Magic. I got to see Bird and Kareem. I got, you know, we can keep going, right? But most of you, even if you're considerably younger than me, have been able to watch LeBron James. LeBron James scored 46 points last night. You're going to say, okay, it's a midweek NBA game, Jeff. Mm-hmm. 46 points against the Clippers, making him the only player in history to score 40 or more points against every team in the league. LeBron James is old as hell. And he is still a top 10 player in the league. Yep. He's going to surpass some of the greatest records of all time. Pat Riley recently gave an interview about this, talking about 
what Kareem accomplished in points and all of these things. And we've had these conversations like as he's checking them off, as we're watching LeBron check off these records, I think it's worthy to note some of these things that have never been done before. It's not just that, oh, he surpassed this guy. No, he's doing something in some cases like last night that nobody, not Michael Jordan, not Magic Johnson, not Wilt Chamberlain, not Bill Russell, not Larry Bird, not Dominique Wilkins or anybody else has ever done. And I get it. People are polarized by LeBron James. They'll say, well, I love him or hate him or whatever it might be. But note this. LeBron James was a high school prodigy. On the front cover of Sports Illustrated, when he's 17 years old, ESPN was filming his high school games. You could not have greater expectations hoisted hoisted upon a player uh, more than LeBron James. And he's never been in trouble. You've never heard a sour word about LeBron James when it comes to the law or anything like that, despite, by his own admission, not having a dad in the household in which he was raised in poverty and having those expectations and later money and all of the trappings of fame. And all he's done is always be in shape, always be prepared, always whoop ass, and now he's breaking records. We should appreciate that. We should appreciate the hell out of that. That is amazing. And he said another one last night. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.